When I was living in Joliet, I had the privilege of being able to often go and preach retreats for uh, a college missionary organization called St. Paul's Outreach. Uh, we would go around the country and do that. And um, at one of these retreats, there was a leader named Brennan, and uh, he said, do you want to hear a poem that I wrote about a bridge? And I said, say less, sure. Brennan is now Brother Brennan. He's uh, entered the Brotherhood of Hope, which is a religious order that goes onto college campuses. But I want to read this poem to you, and I'll tell you why after it's over. It's kind of long. It's called Brick and River. There was a brick on the bridge's bottom who had wearied of what elders taught him. In song they'd sing about being a brick, the joy with brother to bridge bottom stick. But hardly he heeded lore of the lot, and often in dream to water he plot, shouting in wonder at water below, tell of your journeys over reed and stone. The whipping water hadn't time to tell, but bouncing off rock, it bellowed a yell. From mountains to marsh to myriads more, I've seen trees dance and dandelions soar. Wind is my brother and stone is my work. If you'd to see, off the bridge you would jerk. The brick shook at the sound and stirred a hope. Mortar chipped off, how desperate he groped. To mountains and marshes, wild as wind, let me loose to the lore of creatures finned. He wriggled and fought, begging the weather, send rain, O sky, to loosen my tether. Too long my burden buried under brick, to journey and change, to nothing I'll stick. I'll fly and flow with fish and feet kicking. Oh, the freedom to nothing be sticking. The sky gave its rain and loosened the grime. He would feel his fall in not long a time. For subtle a budge he gave the brittle and burst from the bridge, alone and little. I'm flying, he felt, to marshes and more. But breaching the water, he quick hit the floor. He shook and struggled, but sand kept him still. He soon felt the flow, but fleeting his thrill. Now without warmth from brothers of brick, his only encounters were bumps from sticks. Down there for days he lie in his lonesome. Low and longing, he recalled his home song. We brothers of brick here buried beneath are bridging two lands of marvelous heath. A burden we bear, but none else we'd be, for our life as bricks is far beyond we. To mountains and meadows by man were made, by kings were crossed, so no river they'd wade. For fellow or queen or army brigade, for greatest of journeys, here we remain. His humming soon hollowed as hope seemed drown. He dared only dream a brother come down. Water whipped over and purpose it stole. From brick to stone he felt corners grow dull. And up above the brothers so mourn, feeling his fall with middle now torn. They rustled and rubbed and loosened the lime. Their future demise was a matter of time. Until splash and sprinkle, brick and glue fell, one atop other, no order to tell. Bumping and jumping, a total collapse. They fell to their future, no land to grasp. To his surprise, the brick found his brothers. 
He shouted with joy over confusion and mutters, Bricks of my bridge and bearers of burden, Lonely I've been with future uncertain. Waiting and wanting the warmth of your weight, Cold and bitter have been my days of late. Even as I speak, the rush is slowing, For side by side we've ceased waters flowing. Indeed, he was right, for fruit of their jam was water now bundled up in a dam. The stream stopped still, and the current silenced. Water then whined with vehement violence. Why have we stopped? Until sea we must go. All seemed to point to a brick down below. There he recalled elder voices so true that being a brick is not about you. Isn't that fantastic? A little poem about a brick? Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete. You, be joyful. Rejoice. Gaudete in semper. Always rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. But why are we not joyful? What is often the biggest obstacle to our joy? the true joy that the Lord wants to give. It is that the question that is asked of Jesus in the gospel is not asked by us or that his answer is not internalized by us. That we have not had the chance, alone and little, to look up and ask of him that question, are you the one? Are you the one? Because if he's not the one, and we are alone and little, you can understand how it would be very difficult to be joyful in the world in which we currently live. So much of our life is spent being curved in on ourselves, on navel-gazing. Have you heard that phrase? St. Augustine defines sin, in fact, as being curved in on ourselves. And we know that true freedom comes from looking upward and outward, from perceiving something besides our own little world, from perceiving that everything we're looking for is being given to us even as we look for it. Jesus doesn't give us a straight answer, does he? He doesn't say, yes, I am the one. Sign here on the dotted line if you understand, and the kingdom of God will be given to you. But Jesus knows that the people who are asking him, that they know deeply what has been spoken of about the Messiah. And so he answers in a very creative way. Are you the one who is to come or should we be looking for another? Jesus says, you tell me. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleaned, the deaf Here, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. Remember the beautiful scene at the synagogue in Nazareth, when Jesus takes the the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he looks at all those who are gathered, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, liberty to captives, sight to the blind, a year of favor by our God. And the people are like, all right, 
And then he says, and in fact, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the people are like, no. (laughs) And they try to throw him off the cliff. Remember that the cliff they try to throw him off of is a cliff which overlooks a valley, which in Hebrew is called Har Megiddo. It's a very important place in the Bible. You and I know Har Megiddo as a different name, Armageddon. That the final battle, so says the scriptures, will take place in the valley of Armageddon. And it's the site of so many ancient battles and bloodshed and difficulty. And they try to take the one who will save them from the final battle and throw him there. They don't have any clue what they're doing. So much of our life is spent trying to cultivate joy, but we don't understand that joy is not cultivated. Joy is given. We are not merry on Christmas because our lives are merry, but we're merry because something merry has happened to us and that that something which is merry can change everything if we let it so powerfully that even if the outside circumstances of our life don't change, the sickness is still there, the difficult relationship is still there, the job situation is still there, the child situation, the spouse situation, it's all still there. But even in the midst of everything which is still there, we recognize that something more powerful than what is still there has been given to us, has been put into the situation, has risen into our life. So joy does not mean that everything is hunky-dory because joy is something much deeper and more satisfactory than that. Joy is something that endures even through the difficulty. In fact, it's what helps us to endure ourselves through the difficulties of our life. It's what helps us, I think, to roll up our sleeves and engage with reality as it is. So much of our time is spent mitigating reality or medicating away reality or trying to explain the ways in which this isn't so bad or I'm really in control or I'm the victim here, don't you understand? But in fact, joy is something that allows us to look reality in the eyeballs and to perceive that deep within it, even if it's not a very like, happy thing or, or great thing, but to perceive that if there is the presence of Jesus, if there is the presence of God, he only lives in reality, and therefore reality is positive. If for no other reason than it as it is, is the only place where God will ever be found, truly. God is not found in our fantasies. God is not found in our mitigations. God is not found in our trying to curve things around. God is found in reality. And the ultimate vulnerability that we can have is to collapse before him at the weight of the truth of our life and simply ask him a very simple question. Are you the one? Are you the one? And he answers us in the same way that he answers the disciples of John the Baptist. Look at the fruit of the people who've come to me, and you tell me if I am the one. So on the third Sunday of Advent, we more intentionally turn now. We begin to look more earnestly toward what is to come. We begin to look east toward the dawn which sprinkles over there. First, a little ray of light, and then another one, and then another one, and then the whole sky starts to come to life. 
But we have to learn this basic lesson that being a brick is not about you. And I don't mean to say that in a moralistic, stop being so selfish sort of way. I mean to say that in a relieving sort of way. That life does not depend on how hard you work. This Christmas does not depend on how tasty your uh, roast beast is or how beautiful your mantelpiece is or whether, you know, your porch is as evergreeny as the porch next door or whatever. It doesn't depend on your ability to fix that situation or to mend that relationship or to bring that person back to God or to raise that person from the dead. What does it depend upon? What does our joy really depend upon? This realization that life is not about us. And that's the best news of all. If we're not asked to be cultivating, we're asked to be receiving. We're asked to be receiving. And receiving what? The difficult news of reality, the difficult truths of our life, but the splendid and I think more foundational reality that God is found only in what is true. So if it is true, it is where God is. And if it's where God is, then hope will endure. And he will always have the final say. He will always have the final say, even if it takes a little while for things to be worked out. He will always have the final say, and he will not go away from you. Why? Because he is Emmanuel, God nearby to us, God in the same neighborhood as us, God in the room next door, Emmanuel, God with us. So if he didn't want to be with us, if he didn't want to give us his gift of joy, deep, abiding, lasting joy, which endures even in the midst of difficulty, if he didn't want to come join us, then he wouldn't have called himself God is with us. How can we be sure? He says it himself. Look at what you see and hear of the people who come to me, and you will see that I am precisely who I always said I am. So Jesus, we ask you today to fill us with your Holy Spirit, to teach us that being a brick is not about us, that it's not all depending on us. The difficulties of this life, they bring us to you, they reveal you to us somehow, so help us to face them with courage and with joy. Maybe today after you receive communion and you go back to your pew, you receive God, you eat God and he lives within you. Maybe you can just make a little prayer of thanksgiving to the effect of, Jesus, I believe in your love for me. Jesus, I believe that you are with me. Thank you for coming so close to me, even as to nourish my body. Jesus, teach me who you are and show me that you are the one.